0: Relay FM. This is Connected, episode three hundred and fifty-one, and today's show is brought to you by Pingdom Express VPN and Indeed. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. How are you? I am great. How are you? I am good. It's hot, mm-hmm. and I'm exhausted by the heat, but mm-hmm. I'm good. Yes. Uh, those two things don't sound good to me, but if you can deal with them, that's awesome. Yep. Yes. Stephen is not here this week. He is, I believe, lost in the woods.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. as
0: much as we have to say on that. Hopefully Maybe Steven we'll come back. back. Next
1: time. Who knows? Maybe not. Who knows? No one can know. Summer of... No, fun is taken. Yeah, summer, summer of... of no, Stephen. Disappearance. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, my iMac arrived today.
0: Oh. It was oh. unexpected. It was very unexpected. It was supposed to come in mid-July. And then a few days ago, it shipped directly from China. And then all of a sudden today, it was out for delivery, which was surprising to me. Uh, it's arrived at home. I don't have it here, but I'll be bringing it to the studio tomorrow. And I'll be setting it up. I'll be back to yellow iMac land, which I'm excited about.
1: You didn't send us a picture. Of what? Of the iMac. Because I don't have it yet. It's at home. I'm not at home. Oh, you're not home. Okay. No. All right. Yeah.
0: Makes yeah. sense. So uh, I did buy something to put it on. Uh, I bought a stand. Oh, let's see. From a company Grove Made. I think Grove Made one of these companies that make a lot of things that don't meet your own aesthetic tastes. It's all oh, wood. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Wood you and like brass this and that? Wood and accessories. Yeah.
0: Okay. But all I bu- right. I bought this this stand to put the iMac on to try and raise it up a bit. But I thought this stand. Uh, I like the look of it, but I thought the function of it's pretty good because I can just put things underneath it, yeah. you know, right? Um, which I, I thought was was a pretty good idea. So that that uh, I have that now. Big, what big you gonna wood. put
1: underneath that, like your USB pre two, for example? yeah,
0: probably the like my USB pre two and maybe my little audio, like my headphone amp or something. Maybe I'll see, but I I think that will work pretty well for me. So I'm very excited to be back on the iMac. Um, and to be, I also have my second monitor set up again, which I'm looking forward to. I do nice. want to give a piece of follow up, which is completely unnecessary. It's a correction uh, on the previous episode. I said I had a two terabyte SSD. I actually have a one terabyte SSD. I apologize for the error, and I hope I could be forgiven.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I know I'll it's. T- I it. know
0: it's difficult.
1: I need to. I need to
0: break out Apple Notes and write one of those. Uh, One of those things out, you know. One of those uh, apology
1: apology notes that you can tweet out. I
0: saw someone say that with live text... You'll be able yes. to copy and paste the text out of those now. Well,
1: yes. So I've been thinking about this too in theory. So in Safari, for sure, because the Safari preview image takes over like whatever custom preview uh, thing Twitter is doing in the mobile app. But in Safari, like I actually um, came across this yesterday. I was trying to copy a photo from Google Images. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, you just select the text instead. So you need to be, and maybe this will be tweaked over the upcoming betas, but you need to be extra careful when you're long pressing an image, because if it contains some text in Safari, you're not going to copy that text. Yeah, I just um, had
0: this with, uh, with Gray. I was sending him a picture of a handwriting sample on paper, because that's the life that we share now, I suppose. And we were on the phone at the time and he was trying to like uh, tap the image to make it larger or like to, to, to zoom in on yeah. it. And he just kept selecting my handwriting instead.
1: Yeah. It's like, this isn't what I wanted. Like, Computer, <laughs> I need you to be a little dumber right now. This, yeah, this is this I'm, is
0: one of those things that I can imagine him tweaking. Like in certain circumstances, like I feel like it should work the same way it works in uh maybe in the photos app where you have to press the button first to mm. go into kind of like text selection mode is that right mm-hmm. Am- have i got that right i think it's on the ipad it's like this there's like a little button and it shows you like a look what looks like a piece of paper and you press it and then you can select the text
1: oh uh, isn't that just an indicator that tells is you it just an indicator oh okay. i think it is I was I think sure. it is. I, I think
0: maybe in certain circumstances it would be helpful to have like a mode you go into, but it is also kind of magical to just be like, this is an image. I want that text. I'll just select it.
1: Yeah. But that stuff is really incredible though. Like, it is how cool. W- it's cool. And it's a little bit of a bummer right now that, and, and I guess if, if anyone from the shortcuts team is listening, um, I was kind of hoping to put together like a shortcut with live text already mm-hmm. where you use the take a picture action in the Shortcuts app, um, and instead of taking a picture, you capture the live text, and you pass it on to the next action as text. Like if you want to put together a custom shortcut, basically build what the camera does, but in shortcuts, so that you can have other actions, you know? Mm. Um, but that's not possible right now because the take picture action um, is not live text enabled right now in beta one, it seems. Yeah, this feels edible.
0: I don't know if we're going to get it in iOS 15... 0.0, oh, but that that definitely feels like something you could add. I mean, especially because they had that... um, There's that WWDC session with the live sounds thing, or whatever they call mm-hmm. it, right? The sound detection? And the guy was using shortcuts for that. Right? It was like detecting sounds. They like do the have the trigger. They, yeah.
1: They do have the sound recognition trigger in in, in the automations right now. Um, Which...
0: I mean I don't well, it's like I mean I know it's not the same thing, but it doesn't seem far away from that in my mind, you know mm-hmm. like those two things seem somewhat similar,
1: yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that like how could I use the sound recognition trigger for an automation and 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 I was wondering like maybe if I put like an iPad by the front door and it detects like the doorbell, it could do stuff right but I don't know, mm. I don't know i don't have an ipad like you know how people sometimes they they hang those ipads like a spare ipad mini or something on a wall i tried um, doing that it, it,
0: yeah i tried well i tried setting one up in the kitchen this mm. was before i got my echo show um and i tried setting one up in the kitchen and it didn't it ended up just not being what i wanted it was like an ipad's too fully functioned <laughs> like yeah. i want it to be simple but it's like it keeps getting all my notifications and you have to kind of keep turning stuff off and you got to charge it more unless you leave it plugged yeah. in all the time or whatever and yeah the echo show ended up working out perfectly for what we wanted yeah. um because it's also made for that, right? Like you've got a timer running the thing showing you the timer all the time. Like it's 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 you know, it's it's kind of more focused for that, which is why, you know, we've spoken about it on this show before, we'll again in the future, why we would like to see Apple build a home product mm. with a screen because yeah. you then you can put a version of the operating system that is fully catered towards meeting the tasks of that device rather yeah. than trying to like make it work for you. With a more general purpose computer,
1: right, yeah, yeah, do you have the echo show the one that turns around when you when you say the trigger word? No, we have the one before that, okay. I saw some videos of that. it looks it's cool,
0: funny. it's very cool. I yeah. think really the the biggest benefit for that is video calling, you mm-hmm. know, and we don't video call from the echo show, right. I mean, I I will say like we uh we do love the center stage. Yes, I've we, been using that. It's so nice. It's so so good. I love that feature on the on the new iPad. So like when we have our like calls with family and friends, now we use Adina's iPad Pro, um, and we the center stage functionality is really good. It gets a bit weird sometimes, right? But like, it's great. Like ninety five percent of the time, yes, it, it's a really yeah. good feature. Yeah, nice little addition. Listeners of the show probably know by now that we have uh, Connected Pro, which is every single week you can get longer versions of the show. We do pre-show or post-show and sometimes both. And with no ads, you go to getconnectedpro.co and you can sign up for that. There's a particular reason I'm mentioning now is we are now one year into Connected Pro. Um, so I just we just wanted to extend uh, an additional thank you um, than the one we would normally extend to everyone who's supported the show over the last year. It's been a uh, worrying, challenging time, right, and and can still mm-hmm. be in certain circumstances. If you are, like, running your own business, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners will know that. Um, and having the support directly from our members has been something to really take the weight off of our minds, so... Uh, thank you to everybody that's chosen to support this show. It really means a lot to us and we hope that you continue to enjoy the Connected yes. Pro content.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you.
0: Last week, day one was acquired by Automatic. Automatic, mm. the company behind WordPress. It's got two T's in it. You may have forgotten this, that uh, Automatic also owns Simple Note and Tumblr. I did. <laughs> I'd forgotten they own Tumblr. Uh, yeah. I remembered SimpleNote. I forgot Tumblr. I think it's because Tumblr has been owned by so
1: many people yeah. <laughs> now that it's it's difficult to, uh, to remember that one. In my mind, Automatic owns Tumblr like Mozilla owns um, Pocket. Pocket, yeah, it's very similar. I mean, but actually, <laughs> you're not far off,
0: really, because one of the things that Automatic has done, at least with the things that we've seen them buy up recently, is to seemingly keep the services not only independent from a branding perspective, but they mm-hmm. also seem to be run independently. Yeah. Um and so, you know, I think that seems pretty cool. I, I guess if I guess this is probably pretty good for day one. It's still gonna be run by the founder, Paul Main. Yeah. Um Matt Mullenweg, who is the CEO founder, uh I'm I not sure too. if he's CEO, but I'm I'm pretty sure founder of Automatic. Um, wrote like a really nice blog post kind of about what day one means to him
1: personally yeah I feel like this is a this has to be the best case scenario for something like for for a product like day one like if day one couldn't stay independent right if they made the decision that like if we want to keep growing we need to be acquired by someone with you know more resources than 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 we have I think a company like automatic like I really like them. I like what the company stands for I like I think they're doing an excellent job with WordPress and with the other products that they have
0: don't forget they have the open source you know like they are it's more than just wordpress.com it's also WordPress the open source part like it yes. you know seems like a pretty good company
1: it's I think it, it it does seem like a like a pretty good fit right day one isn't an, is an app they use for personal writing, right? It's a writing app, much like WordPress could be a writing service. Uh, Tumblr could be a short form writing service. And this one is a personal, you know, uh, journaling and and diary sort of, you know, that kind of different writing product. And so it does seem like a good fit to me. And you can see, you could see how, um, you know, uh, some aspects of the day one experience, like photo uploads, right? Uh, Automatic as a CDN that now they can leverage for uh, media uploads in your personal journal. Um, so, in theory, on paper, it sounds like the best-case scenario outcome for day one. I had no idea, personally, that day one was looking to be acquired. But, I mean... Definitely better than, say, I don't know, (laughs) Verizon, right? Or some (laughs) other giant corporation that is just going to... Or any
0: rando company. This is your journal, your personal journal. You know, you don't want just any random company
1: buying it. There's people that have been journaling in day one for a decade at this point. Like, I remember using day one years ago when I was in a not-so-great period of my life, and day one was there. So, um, I think it's a... like it, it is the best case scenario. I feel like it's a cool company. I like the how they seem to suggest like they're gonna stay independent. They're gonna be operated by the same founder. Nothing is gonna change. Now, obviously, long term, some things are going to change.
0: I don't like that phrase. Nothing's going to change,
1: right? I that's know that's impossible. We- and also, uh,
0: I mean, look, I don't know what was going on with day one, but something had to change because they needed to be acquired. Exactly. So So, there needs to be some kind of change um, because they were clearly not operating at a level where an acquisition wasn't necessary for them. And sometimes acquisitions are a necessity, you know, like financially or, you know, just in general needing different resources. And so a company finding a good home can actually be the best outcome because otherwise day one may have gone away, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: you know, th- th- things will change, and that's fine. I know I know why companies say nothing's going to change, but it's a bit of a platitude. You know how yeah. I feel about platitudes. But, it's, you know, I'm happy for them, though, genuinely, yes. because yes. I know that day one means a lot to a lot of people, and I'm pleased that the app will continue. I'm pleased that it's going to be run by the same people, and I'm pleased that they seem to be at a home... At a home that feels like they it will be treated right and given what is needed.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, this news though, like this this acquisition, it made me think. How, I've been doing this for for a while. At this point, you know, writing max stories. We we have been doing the podcast for eight years, and and in all these years, like we've seen, we've seen a lot of these acquisitions, right? And it made me think, how rare. It is these days for something to truly stay independent forever, mm-hmm. because when you think about it, like it's easy to summarize as, "Oh, everyone gets acquired eventually." Which I mean, it's not true. It's not true that everyone gets acquired, but a lot of companies, and especially over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of consolidation. I think um, you know between Apple, Google, Facebook, um, the big what? five, Amazon, you know, Amazon, big-
0: and was it Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon? Who's the fifth?
1: It's not Twitter. Facebook, Facebook. Oh yes, Facebook. Um, But yeah, like there's been a lot of these corporations acquiring services and apps that we use, and that is, on one hand, it's kind of sad, right? But it also makes sense, and in some cases, it's led to new features in the on iPhone, for example. You know, like, take a look at workflow and becoming shortcuts, mm. right? So in a lot of cases, it's it's great. But it also, like, in thinking about this, it made me appreciate the truly indie developers a lot more. Like, it's it's challenging to stay independent for a long time on the internet these days. Well, I think what makes it even
0: harder, Federico, to, to actually do it is because the intended goal of companies that are started in modern times is to be acquired Mm. right like that's Mm. the goal you set up your entire company in a way that acquisition is the win right so like your entire structure for how you make money and spend money is in such a way to increase your user base to the point that you become attractive to a larger company and they buy you That's That's why it happens more, because companies are created with the express purpose of trying to be
1: acquired. Yeah. Well, good luck, day one. Mm -hmm. I hope it uh, found a good home. Seems like it. Me too. I think this is probably
0: the best place for it. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. If you have a website, what is it for? Whether it's driving people to your products, collecting sales leads for your company, or providing customer service of a contact form. When these critical transactions fail, you lose out on business, and it's a bad experience for your users. There is a solution to this, transaction monitoring from Pingdom. Because starting at just $10 a month, transaction monitoring will run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, checking how things are going on your website, and will alert you when cart checkout forms or login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will notify you the moment there is a failure over SMS, email, or via your favorite apps like Slack, Ops Genie, and PagerDuty. Depending on what's being monitored and the severity of the outage, you can also customize who's alerted and how they get the notification. So, you know, if something's really bad and it's on a certain part of the website, it goes to this person and alerts them under these ways that they want to be alerted. It's really, really cool. Don't let your users discover a problem with your website. You want to be the first to know, and you should be. It's super easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and you can get a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you're ready to buy, use the code CONNECTED at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% of your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM and CONNECTED at checkout. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. Jetpack Joyride is coming to Apple Arcade. Jetpack Joyride is one of my favorite iOS games of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made by Halfbrick is yeah. the name of the studio that created it. And they had a bunch of games. If I'm remembering rightly, Jetpack Joyride was like a spin-off from another game that they made. I think so. They were making like a dual stick shooter game that this character was a part of. Um, and then they uh... made Jetpack Joyride... As oh, that like, was many years ago. Like a sequel or a spin-off type game.
1: Yes, you're right, though. Yes, and I it's like
0: a—it's basically uh, not as difficult Flappy Bird before Flappy Bird, right? Like it's that going left to right, you're going up and down by pressing and holding on the screen. Um, this is one of the most recent games that is coming to Apple Arcade and getting the plus added at the end of it. Um, apparently I saw it saying this is coming in uh, July, like maybe July 23rd is the expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm super pumped for this. This is one of my very favorite all-time iOS games. I played
1: this game for years. I remember this game. I'm really happy that... I'm really happy with this initiative that Apple is doing with you know reviving old games uh, as part of Apple Arcade. I think it's a very smart move. It speaks to my... Oh, was Mini Gore the name of the game? Very possible. I think it was Minigore. Top-down dual security. Yeah, it sounds like Minigore to me. Anyway, um, this uh, initiative, it speaks to my interest in, in game preservation, right? And I know that it's done for profit. I know that it's all part of this bigger plan of you know expanding the Apple Arcade catalog. It doesn't matter. As long as you take an old game and you make it available again that counts as a win for me. So, yeah, you could you could be you could be cynical about it and say, "Yeah, but they're only doing this because of the money." Sure. I mean, Apple is not a charity and, you know, Apple is not the Video Game History Foundation, right? They don't necessarily care as much as certain organizations do about this topic. But the end result is what matters. And the end result is we are getting old games Updated for the latest devices, and you can play them again with better graphics, controller support, and iCloud integration. So I'm really happy they're doing this, and I'm gonna—I'm just gonna say it—I hope Apple works out a deal with uh, EA, I guess, to bring back Flight Control because I really want to play Flight Control again. Oh my God, yeah! That game disappeared uh, years ago from the App Store. I would love so, that. Yeah yeah I'm really happy they're doing this i I think it's smart to sort of complement Apple Arcade, uh, which is you know shaping up to be the service where you have originals, you have new games, and you have this um uh, new editions of old classics. Uh, I think it's smart uh, it's a great move uh I'm in favor of it, and jetpack Joyride I'm really happy to see because i also played that game a lot, and uh yeah, great news.
0: Yeah, it was a good one. I'm really excited about it. I wonder if there'll be anything additional coming for it. I saw that they were doing something as well with like uh, Alto's Odyssey with additional levels, I think, is coming to Apple Arcade. What's it called? The Lost City, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, Alto's Odyssey, The Lost City is coming to Apple Arcade as well, so they're doing a lot of interesting stuff. Oh, this is Angry Birds Reloaded and Doodle God Universe are also yes uh, coming to Apple Arcade. So I love this like new games, great old games. Like yes, this all kinds is of it. games. Forensic yes. is fantastic, by the way.
1: I still have to play that because I've, so been, I've been writing the review this week,
0: and mm-hmm. so I haven't played games. Very very good. It's very mm. very good. It it feels like both a sequel. And uh like a new v- new version and yeah mm, okay like it's really yeah I'm really really liking it, I think it's great
1: I mean if you think about it, Apple is sort of following the Nintendo model here mm-hmm. taking old games and making money off of them again yep so classic Nintendo playbook over here and I mean it's a it's a tried and true model it works <laughs> people are gonna spend that money again so but this is for a subscription service so I think it's even it's very clever and look nintendo should really do this right we've been talking about it forever on remaster our video game podcast um nintendo why don't you make a you know five dollars a month service where i can play all kinds of new nintendo old nintendo games but on my new nintendo switch but they don't get it oh
0: they'll do it but in like 10 years you know sure game pass will happen it'll be a big success and then nintendo will do it like 10 years later and it'll be Half of the catalog to start with, and it won't make any sense. Because it's just what Nintendo do. Yes, Uh, People will love it. It will have some weird charm to it,
1: which basically just means they forgot something. We will get xCloud with Game Pass integration on the Nintendo Switch before we get a Nintendo subscription service.
0: Incredibly possible.
1: (laughs) So... Uh.
0: Dark Sky received an update. Mm. Uh, It's not really... This is one of those things, like, I saw the headlines for for this and was like, I was more excited that it ended up being, but it it also just opens up for a point that I wanted to bring up anyway. Like, basically, they updated it. It got some bug fixes and accessibility improvements, by and large. Um, But I was expecting the app to be gone by now. I think we all were. Um, I'm sure this has something to do with the fact that they announced that the API is going to live on for another year. So... I don't know if we're going to get a grand plan f- for weather from Apple as the reason why they bought Dark Sky, which is more than just, hey, we put some radar maps in the weather app on iOS 15, which is very mm. Dark Sky-y, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I was I was expecting them to, well, we all were, for them to have at least killed the API and probably the app by now, but it seems like they're not. Maybe they are
1: going to do something more? I don't know. So my personal theory, which is also like a very popular theory, is that Apple wants to do a weather kit framework for um, iOS and iPadOS and the Mac um, in the future. So basically an API that allows weather apps on Apple platforms to use that data provided by Apple free of charge, right? Instead of developers having to uh, pay a fee, like usually a subscription fee to use um, cloud services for weather data. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's the you know the Weather Channel or uh, w- what's the other one? Um, AccuWeather, AccuWeather, you There's know all this. Yeah. Carrot Weather is a good example of this. Like Carrot Weather, the developer Brian Mueller years ago made the decision to switch to a subscription model to offset and to cover the, the you know the costs of running a highly customizable weather app uh, powered by different kinds of sources. And so if I were Apple. I will look at this and I'd be like, okay, we can make our own weather app much better um, with the Dark Sky integration. But also, Dark Sky, it's not just an app that we are acquiring to copy the design and to hire the makers of it. It also powers all these other apps that are part of our ecosystem already. And so if I were Apple, I would say, well, maybe there's an opportunity for us here to make it easier for our developers to build alternative weather apps for, you know, (laughs) maybe iPad users that don't have a native weather app installed. You know, they're looking for a third-party weather app. Um, And so we would allow developers to integrate with our framework, give them the data for free, so they don't have to stress over the fact that they need to pay an external service for that data, and also our service will be built in. It's going to have great performance. You don't have to worry about you know um, updating data in the background, gonna make it easy for you if you want to make a complication on the watch, for example, that needs to pull um, weather updates in the background and consuming battery potentially. like you don't have to worry about that anymore. And also those services, a lot of these weather apps, they have some questionable privacy choices, right? And you could imagine Apple saying our framework is native, it doesn't expose any user data, it's not creepy, it's not you know, privacy invasive, you can plug your app into it, and just like developers have been able to integrate with MapKit instead of the Google Maps framework for uh, displaying maps, data, and information, so you will be able to do the same with WeatherKit in the future. That would be my theory, but I guess it's not ready yet, and therefore Apple realized we're just gonna keep dark sky, dark sky around for another year. And maybe in iOS 16 next year, we're gonna get this WeatherKit framework and Dark Sky will shut down for good. And maybe they will make, like, they have a MapKit JS framework for JavaScript on the web. Maybe they will also do WeatherKit JS. If you want to uh, build a compatible service that it's not on Apple platforms, maybe you will have a web component as well. But th- that would be my theory, that they want to do their own thing, they want to make it easier for developers, um, but it's not ready yet.
0: Somebody wrote to us, we spoke about it, it as an upgrade, and referenced the fact that, and honestly, I didn't notice, I don't know if you know this, that Dark Sky isn't data, they're actually pulling in other data sources, and then they give they sell that to developers, so Apple hasn't like bought a bunch of like their own data they've well dark sky has a good way to interpret data- mm-hmm. So if Apple did do this, they would still need to be paying someone. For the data, but they're already doing that. Like, as see, long as
1: Apple pays, you don't care. And, and it's not right? like they don't have the money, right? So, right, it's much better for the two trillion dollar corporation to pay yeah. for weather data than exactly. the indie developer. I do wonder
0: what would happen to weather apps,
1: though. Uh, that's uh, a that, that 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 is the question, right? It's interesting to to think about that. Um, honestly, I don't think it's gonna like revolutionize the space, but. It's gonna be a nice option to have. It's gonna be much simpler to build a weather app with a different design and different features because you don't have to worry about that aspect. But I well, don't I think mean more the
0: business models. So like I'll just say like I will pay monthly for a weather app. Like I don't care. Like it's, I don't care about the data, right? Mm. I don't pay for Carrot because I wanna make sure that they have the money for the data right? I pay monthly for Carrot because I use the app every single day and I love it, right? But there is like an argument which is is correct to make, which is like they have ongoing monthly costs maybe in a way that other apps don't. And if everyone just switches to Apple's thing, uh, it would be interesting to see if and how business models would change for weather apps.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Like, now you know that WeatherKit exists and you as a user will be like, why do I need to pay you now? Can't you just use WeatherKit? I don't want to pay a subscription anymore. And yeah, maybe there'll
0: a- be like different tiers. Like, you know, like it, something like Carrot, you can pay more or less depending on how much data you want and from where. And there's always going to be requirements for specialized data services, I'm sure, right? So Right. It'll just be changes, I assume, to the way that, that business models work.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I, I really want to see what they do here. Maybe they also wanted to do this next year because they're finally bringing a weather app to iPad next year. Uh, I don't know.
0: It's, did you see the 9to5Mac uh, article about the iPad weather app?
1: Uh, that was brilliant, right?
0: It was truly superb. Like it, it It's a parody article, basically, uh, written by Taylor Hall. So I recommend people go and... Uh, Check that out. I'll just put a link in the show notes. No spoilers. It's great. All right. This episode is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. There are so many VPN providers out there, but there's a reason I use ExpressVPN. There's a reason why you're hearing me talk about them right now. It's because they're really good. ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. You could find a cheap or free VPN, but they are probably making money selling your data because they have to make money somehow, right? ExpressVPN doesn't do this. And they even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing data, because instead of storing information on hard drives, they use RAM. So every time there's a power cycle, all of the data is wiped. I think this is a really clever way of doing it. Um, And when I was reading about stuff like this, when we were working with ExpressVPN, it's like, the way that I look at this, this feels easy for me to trust, and I do. ExpressVPN is super fast. It uses a new technology, a new VPN protocol of engineer called Lightway to make the speeds for their users faster than ever. You may have tried other VPNs and feel like it can slow your connection down, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets you stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. I've been doing this before, before the Lightway system, and been able to watch video. I've watched video in other countries. I've watched video in this country. You know, sometimes to change my location so I could access something. Otherwise, I couldn't in one location or the other. And I've been able to, I, you would never know that you were connected to a VPN. Super fast, excellent quality, no issues. And now it's only getting better. And ExpressVPN is really easy to use. There are no technical skills needed. So just fire up the app and tap one button to connect. So this is from people tech savvy in your lives and maybe people who aren't so much. Anyone can use it because it really is just clicking one button. CNET, The Verge, and so many other tech sites as well—they rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN available. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust as well. Go to expressvpn.com/connected and get an extra three months free on a, on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com/connected. E X P EXPRESSVPN.com V P N.com/connected to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. I want to talk about email oh okay it's like uh, one of my favorite things to talk about always wow evergreen
1: topic okay okay
0: i mean this is spurred on by something that's happened in my life and so Mm. now i'm bringing it to the show okay so i finally got around to canceling my hay subscriptions all right because i so one my personal hay account i canceled that ages ago because i don't use it but I was using on your uh, your challenge, your request. I'd switched mm. my Cortex brand email to Hey before Hey uh, made some decisions that we weren't happy with. We spoke about those a few weeks ago, and I wasn't able to cancel off my subscription until I got some projects out of the way because there was some stuff that we were working on uh, web. Based stuff, and I didn't want to find myself in a situation where something didn't get set up right because someone missed an email during the migration. And plus, we had our designer and web developer working on it too. And and I already felt bad about making him set up the Hey account in the first place. And now, like a couple of weeks later, saying like uh, we're going back to Gmail. So I wanted to wait until it was all set. Um, so Gmail is what I went with because. Why wouldn't you? Right. And I know people go, "What about Fastmail?" Okay, yeah. like fine, <laughs> just, right? Like, I fine. Love that voice. But I just—I am <laughs> already paying for Google Workspace or whatever, uh, and I just—I just, I just want to go back to something I know now. I've tried something else, and I never liked. Hey, I always had problems with it, and I know Fastmail doesn't do that. Like, isn't all about the weird stuff that Hey does? But I'm just gonna go back to what I know, and I'm going to Gmail. So I wanted to just say at first that DNS sucks and I, as does anything with custom domains, really, especially for email. It's much more complicated to do any kind of email-related stuff with domains, I find, than regular domain stuff. And I just I feel disagree. like it's 2021. I don't know why I'm still manually entering MX records. <laughs> why am I still doing this? Why? why has nobody worked out a better way to handle this?
1: Isn't it wild, if you think about it, how the internet runs on a bunch of numbers and dots. I hate like. to think about stuff like that.
0: <laughs> because then it's like, oh, you entered all the stuff correctly. Uh, so something I did, right, was I copied and pasted stuff from one of Google's help articles. But one of the help articles was missing a period, like a full stop at the end of the MX record. And I think it that was why it wasn't working. But the thing about DNS is like, You don't know if you've done it right for a really long time, right? Where like I deleted stuff from the MX records and I'm refreshing and Gmail's thing, and like make sure you delete this one. It's like it's already gone. I deleted it an hour ago. Like the whole system is bananas. I really do not know why we are still in this. Like no one's fixed it.
1: Ultimately, it all comes down to the single evil, bad feature of computing, which is caching. Like caching mm. is is the the cause of all evil in, in computing. Okay, that would be my theory. It's because like, when when data is like we're working on our, a lot of things for Mac stories, and whenever a developer says, um, "I deployed," but um, you're probably not seeing that because of caching. I'm like, oh, why? I know, like, I don't I don't need to be lectured on why caching is necessary, but. Your DNS experience confirms, you know, propagation. That's because of caching. And, you know, a lot of uh, computer science problems ultimately come down to two things. One is caching and the other is time zones. So,
0: yeah. Anyway. Like, you know, we've all been saved by caching, right? I know, I know. As much as we've refreshed it it. But it's still <laughs> the point of, like, sometimes you just feel like there should be better systems. And I really feel like hey, enter these five MX records into your <laughs> DNS history, and they're all just slightly different. I feel like there should be a better system than this.
1: Yes. Yeah. Right? It's, I don't yeah. know
0: why like Gmail can't just partner with all of the major domain registrars <laughs> and they just work it out, right? Because it can't be good for Google either that they have to have, like, and they have like 30 help articles for all of the different domain registrars.
1: And it's and yeah. I just I don't understand why this is still happening. The real power move, Mike, would be to run your own email server, and that would be fun. Some people do that. Would that be fun? <laughs> I don't think that's fun. <laughs> that doesn't
0: seem fun to me. I don't like the thought of that at all. Mm-hmm. There is nothing about that that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got it done. The the, okay. the migration. The migration wasn't difficult. It was. I actually found it harder to move to Hey than to move back to Gmail. Just it just took a long time. Mm. Um, but it seemed you know for a while I was getting email in both places, which I, I do not understand how that's possible. I I do not understand that. And again, I know it's caching. <laughs> but I don't understand how I can get it in two places at once. You, like I said, the test email and it arrived both in hey and Gmail. and it's yeah. like this doesn't make sense because isn't the whole point of this that this shouldn't happen? Like isn't that why I have to do this whole thing in the first place? Um, so anyway, yeah, my email landscape as it stands right now, okay is my personal email, my relay FM email, and my kind of general Mike Hurley business email, okay, is all in spark right? So that's where all of that stuff has been for a long time and continues to be. The reason I use Spark for all of that email is because I really love their, um, I spoke about this before, their team sharing features, which I use with the Relay FM email. Me and Kerry, our sales assistant um, and sales manager, I should say, we share email a lot and communicate that way. And it's really great. Um, And because I use that, I've just had it all my email in the same place. But I've always wanted to separate the Cortex brand email out into its own application. I've done that for a while, and it's because it is another public facing email address and it's wildly different from my other stuff. So I don't want it to all get intermixed. When I was writing the Google Doc today, I thought I think I had a galaxy brain moment,
1: mm.
0: which was like, so I go with like regular brain, which is all in the same place. Okay. And then it's like, I don't remember how these are referenced, but like slightly bigger brain, uh, which is I'm going to separate the Cortex brand out, email out into its own email app. Galaxy okay. brain, why don't I have three email apps? <laughs> what? Right? One for personal, one for Relay FM, and one for Cortex brand. Why three? do I need to have all of my email? accounts you, you don't need to no i don't need to so why do i do this this is why i wasn't sure like i couldn't and i couldn't get an answer like okay unified inbox but because why? then you
1: have three different apps like yeah but you okay i also
0: use like slack and imessage and discord to communicate in some instances sure. with the same groups of people right yeah
1: yeah
0: and i have like two slacks or three slacks, and, like, you know, so I just think, why not maybe separate it out a little bit more? It's just something I thought of. I might
1: try this. I don't know yet. I mean, if you really want to separate, that's an idea for sure. Like, if you want to do that, then it makes sense. I don't just, I don't know if I want to do that,
0: but I could imagine benefits. So, like, for example, like, the reason that you were using Hay initially was quite smart, right? Which is uh, having... Something, do a bunch of work for you with your email. Mm-hmm. Yep. and I like that, but not on all of my email or I want different levels of this for different email accounts, right? So for right. my personal email, I'm happy with way more filtering. You can turn it up to the maximum, right? because it's there's it's not critical. and you can do more filtering to that email and I'm fine with it. With my like relay FM email, this is I have same box for that but I have it on like its lowest settings so it's trying to get rid of some of the junk and it does that for me but also then doesn't like uh, hide from me some like uh first-time business email or whatever right that you have I like it it's same box a previous sponsor I do pay for it myself um, like you can say like hey I get cold emails like I get from people so don't hide it all away kind of thing, right? Like, don't, se- don't put it all insane later. I actually like that they have those settings. When I was first saying up, I was concerned about that, but they have that. You know what I mean? So, like, I have... But, like, if I go in all in on an app or service that does all of this stuff for me, I won't get those, like, the different experiences. Like, you can go with kind of, like, vanilla email, just everything comes in basically Apple Mail, right? doesn't do anything stupid. And then you can go all the way up to something like a hey where it's doing a bunch of filtering for you. There's this app coming, I think, tomorrow. It's been teased a bunch. I'm intrigued about it. Big Mail, which is like trying to do this stuff but on device. And I thought that could be a potentially an interesting way to do my personal email but I don't want to trust my business email to it right so that was this is part of what was getting me thinking about maybe I could just have multiple email apps that I use but nevertheless to get back onto the main topic I'll follow up if that's a thing that I actually do I don't know this this seems like a a harebrained scheme I've never heard anybody do it before so that might suggest that it's a bad idea
1: all right so uh, I, I feel like I'm um I'm in a pretty similar situation to you, but I really I'm resisting the idea of using multiple apps because I, I don't I really don't want to have multiple email apps on my home screen. I don't know why, but I'm okay with multiple messaging apps. But I'm a I'm a you know all email goes into one bucket sort of person. Um, so I I also have been using Spark because of all features that I need from email, being able to share and assign emails to, to a different team member and, and having private conversations uh, inside those messages, like that's really valuable to us right now. And so I, I feel like I needed to have an easy, like I needed to transition from, hey, quickly because I don't have time right now to research other options and to go through all this all over again. And so I just went back to the place where I started, which was Gmail and Spark. So I am using Spark because of the sharing features. I do not love Spark and I mentioned this before. I don't like its custom look. I don't like how it looks on iPad. It doesn't have a native three-column layout. It, it it and it's got this weird like context menus that are custom, but some of them are native. And there's like there's this mix of uh, custom UI and native UI that I fundamentally dislike. But it's got sharing, and we can leave comments, and it integrates with Todoist, which is my task manager, and Mm -hmm. so uh, it it was very easy for me to transition to that. I've been trying Apple Mail again, like I set (laughs) it up. I have to point
0: this out, I just saw this in Discord. Justin Hamilton says, can you build an email app in Obsidian?
1: (laughs) Honestly, you probably can. Uh, (laughs)
0: Roasted!
1: Yeah. Um, Sorry. But so I've been trying Apple Mail again as part of the review uh, research um, cycle. Mm. It doesn't really have anything new this year. I mean, yes, you can open messages in center windows and that's about it. Um, it's got the mail tracking prevention stuff, which is cool. Uh, but a lot of other apps these days have it. Uh, so there's nothing really new for me in Apple Mail. And the big missing feature is sharing and Again, I don't think Apple is ever going to do this because they don't care about that sort of enterprisey, you know, businessy feature. I, th- they shouldn't implement sharing like that. Leave no. that
0: to yeah o- other companies to deal with. Right, that's, it, that's such a next level thing, and really is something that people should pay for.
1: Yeah, big mail is interesting. I really want to check it out. I kind of hope that the developer would have like a, like a press beta uh, before. So unfortunately, we will not have a review tomorrow. I know that a lot of Mac Stories readers have been asking us like, are you guys going to review Big Mail? Are we going to see a Big Mail review? No, because we don't have access to Big Mail. So I'm going to start using it like everybody else tomorrow. Um, it it does look very nice i appreciate the sort of on-device processing and categorization of messages i also want to see it's pretty it, it, it's pretty i also want to see how well it works in practice for yeah. all kinds of messages that are not necessarily in english like in theory if it's using on-device processing and if it's using all the latest like apple apis for you know the to detect like um, sentiment analysis and that, like receipts and all that kind of stuff. In theory, it should work for m- multiple languages, but again, we'll see in practice. It's pretty. It's got the uh, what's it called? Every feature has got its own name. There's Spy Scanner, which is the blocking tracking pixels uh, stuff. They the developer also rebuilt essentially like a version of the Hey Screener. Mm-hmm. which is called the bouncer in mm-hmm. big mail, which, which is it would be name. the same idea. Like if you got an email from a new contact that's never emailed you before, you can um, bounce, in this case, the sender and say, no, I don't want to ever want to be go- contacted by this um, sender again in the future. So it's pretty. We'll see how it works. It's on, iPhone, it's on iPad. every platform. It's on the every Mac platform, too, which is
0: super rare to see. And I know it's easier to do now. Right, like I, I would, I'm sure it's a Catalyst app, but but well, I don't know that. I'm expecting it's a Catalyst app. Yeah. Um. But even still, you don't necessarily see people uh, doing yeah. that. So I'm yeah. intrigued. I'm intrigued.
1: My so my final thought here is, I wish that mail extensions for macOS were also available on iPhone and iPad. My hope is that these extensions will go the way of Safari web extensions, which is launch it first on the Mac and the following year bring the same technology to iOS and iPadOS. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Um, so maybe next year, I could reconsider Mail uh, if it's got extensions. And I really want to see what developers do with extensions on the Mac this year. Sort of get an idea if this technology is going to be interesting going forward or not. But right now, I'm going to try Big Mail. I also kind of wish that I could do the following system. Like, I wish that I could set up Spark, in Mm -hmm. a way that I get notified only by uh, shared messages. Like, I want to use a different email client for my day-to-day, like, composing and responding to email messages. But I just want to keep Spark on the side just for the sharing stuff. The problem is the notification settings in Spark, there's no way to say, just notify me for shared activity. You either turn them on, the push notifications, or you don't. So if I do this, I, I guess I, I would have to leave push notifications for messages, all messages, enabled in Spark, but use a different client so that I don't get push notifications twice, basically. Like, for example, I would have to well, leave no, you notifications could this. enabled.
0: Can't you How?
1: have notifications for comments? Not just for comments. I only want them for comments and for when John shares an email message with me in Spark. At least on iOS and iPadOS, there is no setting to I mean, that I'm says...
0: Looking, I mean, I have notifications, email and comments. They're like two different... Are you looking on the Mac? No, I'm looking on my iPhone. How? Well, I've gone Tell to me how. Settings. <laughs> and then no, you
1: tell me how right now.
0: I've gone to the settings and I'm going settings. to notifications...
1: Settings, notifications.
0: And there's e- at the top, email and comments, and you can oh choose between each. Oh my god. So you could turn off See, notifications for email and leave them on for comments.
1: This is why Sparks UI is
0: <sighs> Well, I mean some of us noticed it immediately, you know. I I can't I can't speak for
1: everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that segmented control was invisible to me until you mentioned it.
0: Yeah, it's not I don't I don't even think that's even a standard control. It looks
1: a little bit odd. Um, so how would I do this? Like um, notification type. You turn no notification. all the notifications off for oh, the email. God. You 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 completely changed my email
0: life right now. So now now you know you can do this. Tell me what you're gonna do. <laughs> what are you okay. gonna do now?
1: All right. So here's the plan. Spark goes off the home screen, <laughs> and I install Big Mail tomorrow. Um. I'm struggling because now I have all this new information that you just sprung on me. Um, move Spark into a folder. Receive notifications just for comments. Mm-hmm. I guess my only question is, if John
0: like if shares he, shares? An
1: e- if he shares an email with me without commenting on the email, will I be notified? I don't know. You'll have to test it. I'll have to test it. Or... I would have to ask John, please, whenever you share a message with me, also leave a comment. Which is not hard. Which is not hard. Hmm. Thank you, Michael.
0: No See? problem. So if you don't go with Big Mail, because again, we don't know. You, probably Apple Mail. by the time a lot of people are listening to this, you could probably try out Big Mail. You'd go to Apple Mail?
1: Yes. You wouldn't go if, to anything else? No, no. Have you seen the other email apps? They're even weirder than this. What
0: about like Outlook?
1: No, 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 no. I find... I'm sorry, I know that a lot of people use and appreciate Microsoft products, but I find them visually unappealing, that Microsoft has no taste. Personally speaking, and I really dislike the Microsoft UI. I just, I I really don't like it. I'm sorry. I don't like it. I use an Xbox, I love my Xbox, but when it comes to productivity apps, no, no. Mm-mm. No, so I would use a, and I like Apple Mail, right? For other things like, um, you know, drag and drop, it works, and it gives you a link, a deep link to the message. Um, it it always works with the latest um, iPad um, technologies, like multi window a couple of years ago, or in this case, center window in iPadOS 15. So I'm fine with Apple Mail, right? Um, but you just blew my mind with this uh, this uh, notification trick, Mike. See, you are the email power user here, and uh, should have asked you before. Now that I'm looking at it, I mean, there was a control to switch between email and comments right there, and I never saw it. I don't see. I don't think it's my fault that I never saw it. App control is strange. Anyway, thank you, Michael. So my oh, anytime, my pro- my
0: like, if you need, if you ever need me for app consultancy, you know, like. <laughs> I see things with like the regular person's vision, you know. Like, I come in here and like, oh, I can, I can get through this checkbox. You're just looking at it with like higher-minded design, you know. Like, you see things only as a good designer.
1: Honestly, you are right. Like, uh, no, not about the good designer eye, but about like. Standard controls. That is something that I've increasingly noticed about myself.
0: Yeah, and I'm getting in here, and uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm back here with the every person, you know, like yeah, having to s- jump through all these hoops to understand how yeah. my apps work. I mean, as well, honestly, I've used Spark for so long, and I feel like I yes. kind of understand yes. their design at this. And point. you
1: do, you do a lot more email than I do. I do like like a lot I've of seen email. you, I've seen you in real life lots of times with your phone, and you get and you respond to. A lot of email, (laughs) much more email than I I have, that I've ever had. Here's the thing. So I'm
0: I'm just in Spark right now and I'm like selecting. I have received 47 emails today.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. And
0: what I need to just make very clear to everybody, I don't get like uh, marketing emails from your favorite brands kind of thing, you know? Like that's not... I don't, That that's not the kind of, like, I'm not on, like, hey, my favorite clothing brand, 123.com's email list. This is just, like, that is work-related email right there. I get a lot of email. I get a lot of email. Um, yeah. But, uh, so, here's my thing. It all starts now with Big Mail. So, is Big Mail something I'm going to use? Maybe we'll talk about it in future episodes. We can follow yeah. up on it. If I don't, I'm currently using Gmail for the Cortex brand email and I'll probably just stick with it in Gmail. Okay. Like the the Gmail app. Yeah. Okay. Until I don't know like and then maybe I'll change my mind later on and but what I would really like to do now though honestly is like I do like I do like this idea of three email apps. I I want to see how far I can take this and if it makes any sense or if it's just a nightmare disaster we'll find out all right this episode is also brought to you by indeed ai can do some incredible things but for most jobs in your company you need good old-fashioned carbon-based life forms preferably a brilliant one more preferably as soon as possible if you're looking for great minds that move the world you can hire them with indeed indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three post screen interview All on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster and only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed Skills Tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. So you can look at 27% you can look at loads more people, basically. You can choose from one in 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to TalentNest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring... You need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job at Indeed.com slash connected. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash connected. Offer is valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. One more time, that's Indeed.com slash connected. A thanks to Indeed for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So you were popping off on mm. Twitter... Mm. about Safari on... I think most of your concerns are iOS 15 than OS 15, but you tell yes. me if I'm wrong.
1: No, no, that's right. I uh, I have installed Monterey on an external drive, but I've only used it, like, once. Oh, do you have any opinions on Monterey? Shortcuts is great. I guess the universal... Con- oh, oh, okay. Universal control's not a thing yet, though, is it? I have no idea. I, don't I also so. don't care. Oh, Really? Well, it's cool. I'm never. I'm never gonna use it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but yes, my concerns are mostly about um, iOS and iPadOS. That's correct. Mm-hmm. I should say that Safari, along with Shortcuts, really is my favorite iOS and iPad app. I like of the ones made by Apple. Obviously, uh, it's one of the apps where I spend most of my time every day. And I just really like Safari for a lot of reasons, from Safari Reader to how shortcuts integrate with Safari to uh, to you know being able to run JavaScript shortcuts in Safari. Um, I really like it, I, I, and I've always liked Safari, and I've always believed that it's really the crown jewel of the Apple built-in apps, and and that's really why I I care about you know Safari being great, basically. Um, But the version that we got in the first beta of iOS and iPadOS 15 has a lot of issues, in my opinion. And now I know that uh, a lot of people have talked about this topic. I'm very much aware that it's beta one and that Apple is working on it. And I get the sense that they're really listening to whatever is going on with Safari on all platforms, including the Mac. Um, So I just wanted to have this conversation on the show to sort of expand on the things I tweeted and to offer better context about them, and maybe offer some suggestions, if those can be yep. helpful to anyone. And also, as well, you can help explain it to me,
0: because I have not used this on the iPhone. Okay. My experience of with Safari has been on iPadOS, and okay. I'm mostly pretty positive
1: about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start with the, with the thing you know, with iPadOS. Uh-huh. Um, I have two main problems with the iPadOS version. Um, the first one, the obvious one, is the un- unified tab and address bar design, mm-hmm. um, which I would be okay with. I don't particularly care about seeing the full address of the web page I'm in. Like for the past few years, I've kept just the main domain in the Safari address bar, and I'm fine with it. Um, I don't need to see the full URL at all times. Uh, But my issue is that on iPad, if you open multiple tabs and you click on it, the location of the address bar is never the same because that unified design means that each tab expands in a different place on screen. Used to be that you have your address bar centered at the top and your tabs underneath that. And the address bar never physically moves on screen. It's in a fixed position. Now, because of this unified design, you can never really tell, right, where it's gonna be. And I think it's visually glaring that you see this jumping around horizontally hmm. a lot. Like I really dislike it. And it, it, it confuses me visually, and if and I feel like it requires a lot more. Um, what's it called? Um there's a term. I'm Spatial about. awareness? Uh yeah, something like that. Um it requires more uh what's it called? Cognitive uh something. Load? Cog- yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Emma, in the Discord. Um I I really don't think it works for me because it feel it feels like I need to learn every single time what I'm looking at. And I, I don't think that's good. Um The second issue that I have is the sidebar, which on its own, like I appreciate the inclusion of a sidebar to have more elements um, displayed in it. But my problem with it is that it feels vastly underused at the moment. Mm. It seems like Apple added a sidebar on iPad just to make it possible for you to easily switch between tab groups. Right. And they should have a compact sidebar,
0: I think, too. I I believe this is a thing you can do, right? You can have, and I don't really feel like I see a lot of apps do it. Maybe I've had a fever dream that you can have like a compact sidebar because sometimes I just want to go between my tab groups. And the sidebar, even on the big iPad, it really shrinks Safari down like it's too large. And I would love to be able to just give my tab groups an icon and just have the icons like live on the side in like a really skinny tab bar and I could just like bounce between them or something. I
1: think you can switch between... Once you're in a tab group, uh, tab group, I believe you can... Um, by the way, you can have a compact sidebar, like the thing you mentioned, you can have that in iPadOS, but also in Safari specifically, I think you can switch between tab groups with a uh, drop-down menu in the... Top toolbar. Oh, really? It shows you. I think it shows you the name of the tab group you're in, and you can click it to uh, see other tab groups, I believe. But then I've seen that. Does that work
0: for like the non tab group tabs? It doesn't. Yeah, you see? Because I think the issue that I have is I like having the tab groups, right? I have a Relay FM tab group. I have like a Cortex tab group. Like I have like Mm. different tab groups for different things that I'm doing in Safari. But then I also have just a like, I'm browsing the internet tabs. And I don't particularly need those to sync because I have iCloud tabs too if it's something like I particularly need to grab. And I could imagine setting up a tab group for this in the future. Uh, But this goes back Mm -hmm. to something that Gray was talking about, which I agree with. Like you can't default tabs to open in a tab group Mm -hmm. which would make that Mm -hmm. easier but i still want to be able to switch back to that easily like the most of the switching i'm doing is from regular tabs to a tab group and back again not like tab group to tab group to tab group Mm -hmm. so i feel like i'm opening the sidebar a lot
1: yeah so a couple of things here uh first i wish that i could pin more elements to the sidebar Um, i wish that i could put folders of bookmarks there not just tab groups and instead Apple is really pushing tab groups in this release and it's sort of saying yeah you don't need to use bookmarks anymore which brings me to my other problem with this sidebar design on iPad which is I like the tab group idea like as a general concept of oh you can uh, group your tabs together and you can give them a name and you can give it a context I like that My issue with tab groups is that they, in this current version, I don't think I'm ever going to use them because the way I would like to switch between these different groups of tabs is I wish they were permanent in the sense that in my mind, a tab group is something that I can create beforehand and when I click it, it recreates my tab group, right? Oh. So imagine, imagine that I create like a Mac Stories tab group. And it's like the homepage, the posting interface in the in, in WordPress, and maybe you know a, a Google Doc for Mac stories, right? Mm-hmm. And when I click on that, I always want those three tabs to open. Similarly, I created a tab group called Italian News. And I opened three tabs for the diff, you know four different Italian um, news sources that I follow. But the problem is those are not bookmarks. They are not permanent. And so if you navigate to a different page, it stays within the tab group. but the next time you open it, it doesn't go back to the home page, right? So I guess what I'm asking for is I just want to use folder bookmarks, like folders containing bookmarks that every time I open them, they reopen those permanent fixed urls right because it, apple tried to sell this as oh when you're doing research you you can organize your tabs in groups but when i do research like personally speaking when when i'm using safari for a particular task let's say research on going on vacation it's not like i'm handling multiple tasks at the same time like I'm looking for a place to stay. I'm gonna open a bunch of tabs for different hotels and different restaurants, right different locations, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not like at the same time I'm also dealing with podcast show notes and so I want to switch to a tab group containing two different Google Docs. I this idea of now you can organize your tabs in different groups for all your activities. It's not something that I ever find myself doing. Like, I'm doing research. I discover a bunch of links. I wanna save those links, right? It's not like I need the, the thing that doesn't work for me is this fleeting nature of the tab groups that are basically they're tabs. They're not bookmarks, but you can group them together.
0: Yeah, I think if I can, if I can, if you don't mind me jumping in, I, yeah, I think please. one thing that needs to kind of be really understood, like underscored, is. One of the features that they've removed, seemed to have removed from Safari, or maybe they haven't. Or I hoped it was going to be similar. I ha- to be fair, I haven't actually used it on the Mac yet, so maybe it's still there. But it reminds me of it. It's pinned tabs. So I use pinned tabs. Yeah. And- Safari on my Mac a lot. And I kind of wished that pinned tabs and tab groups were more similar because pinned tabs, they can't really be destructed. Like if you try to go somewhere else, like click a link from a pinned tab, it opens a new tab to keep you on the domain at least that you're on. But with tab groups, if you have like there are these are these six tabs I want to keep open, but you click a link in one of those tabs. It's just changed the tab. So, like, if you yes. were on, say, Mac Stories and always wanted the Mac Stories homepage, but then clicked a link that went to Six Colors, now that tab is Six Colors, and like, that's not the the yeah. the, the, the they are that's destructible. Yeah, and, yes. and that is a frustration for me too.
1: That's my problem. So, um, and also I should say, I'm I'm a person that tends to clear tabs in Safari when I'm done with the tabs. Like, I don't like to keep lots of tabs open. Just I want to you know, be done with it and I want to save and archive those links in other apps, like Obsidian or My Task Manager, whatever, I I, I don't want to leave tabs open, you know? So, I don't know, tab groups in its current form, maybe if they added like a pinned option, I could see myself using those. So, I, I could create a tab group for my Italian news or for, you know, um, Nintendo news, for example, and so that, you know, those... Pinned tabs would always be there in the group, but links would open in separate tabs within the group. In that case, I could see myself using the tab group. In its current fashion, it's like you're just organizing tabs that are not permanently assigned to a website. And that, for me, diminishes the the utility of it.
0: I understand that. I, I still, even though I have that frustration, I still will and am and plan to continue using tab groups because I do otherwise have, like, in a web browser, even on my iPad, like eight tabs or so that I always want to have open and then we'll use other tabs after that. And and I do find that I'm more organized with tab groups by having two groups. One has five, six tabs in it. One has two tabs in it. Mm-hmm. I, I do actually really like that feature, but I definitely agree with you. Like there are some there are some things they could do to not just refine this feature, but really make it much more useful, yeah. which really doesn't seem like a lot. Well, you know, it's not about reinventing the wheel. Take some cues from features you already have like bookmarks yeah. or pin tabs.
1: Yeah. There's a few other things that don't really work for me in the new Safari in general, and especially on iOS. Um, Share extensions are now hidden by default. I hate this. Um, I don't understand why, but when you press the more button to open the share sheet, it's like half of the share sheet. I don't know why it even looks like the share sheet. It's like it tricks me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't like that. It contains your action extensions and your shortcuts and your default Safari actions, but it doesn't have the contacts at like the top row of of profile pictures, and it doesn't have share extensions. You need to press a separate share button to sort of switch the share sheet mid-flight to show you share extensions and contacts, which I don't understand. And even on iPad, the reload button is gone from the address bar and it's now part of this context menu, which, I mean, seriously, Mm. you're on an iPad, you're working in landscape mode and you didn't have the place for a reload button that needs to be tucked away in a menu. I mean, I understand that modern Apple likes to do away with buttons occasionally, but I mean, come on. I think it's kind of ridiculous that developers have to write an an extension to bring back a reload button uh, in a browser. I yeah. think it's kind of ridiculous.
0: I could get used to the pull to refresh on the iPhone. but or that only like,
1: works if you are at the top of the
0: page. Exactly. And that's the problem because I'm not always. And a lot of the times when I'm refreshing stuff or whatever, like I'm doing it for speed and it's because I'm trying to buy something or like get a ticket to something or whatever. And I want to mm-hmm. be able to hit the button. Yeah. Not pull yep. to refresh.
1: Uh, other big problem. The floating address bar at the bottom on iPhone. Okay, So, all
0: right. Tell me about this, because I've I, I've had nothing, no experience of this at all.
1: Okay, so uh, when you open Safari, the address bar is now at the bottom, right? Um, when you scroll a page, it sort of minimizes at the bottom of the screen. Uh, if you scroll up or if you tap it, it expands into into this floating bar. And the floating bar, you can tap it again to select the URL. And that right there is the first issue that I have with it which is it's at the bottom, but if you tap it, it shoots all the way to the top. And so if you're tracking it with your eyes, you need to follow the thing like you're looking at it and you tap on it and you expect to be looking at the same place on screen, but then you need to move your eyes and look at the top. It literally flies to the top. The like very top? It, the very top. <laughs> it doesn't Why? sit above the keyboard. Like I would expect like it's at the bottom, I tap on it, a, a keyboard needs to be displayed. That's fine, and I would assume. Well, the address bar is now above the keyboard, but no, it shoots all the way to the very top.
0: You know why they might have done that? I'm not. This is. I don't mean this is good design, but bit, when you are entering text into a web page, that mm-hmm. tab bar would probably be hiding the place you were typing in.
1: Yes, and which is the which is bringing me to the other prob- problem this bar because it's because of the floating design it covers the contents of web pages um, and i've seen this already oh, I guess for even example when it goes it, to the top it does that too right it's still going to do it yeah but also okay. when it's at the bottom it covers the page oh. and when it like i'm seeing this right now when it's at the bottom in a service like mailbrew for example which has it's a web app that has its own top bar at the bottom now the top bar in mailbrew is all weird because of the floating bar also at the bottom in Safari. And so developers would have to adjust to this floating bar at the bottom. We're building a few things for Mac Stories ourselves, and one of the menus that we have now will have to make a consideration as to what happens with the new Safari if Apple doesn't change anything, because this floating bar covers part of our menu. It's all, you know, because it... It's not Apple wanted to get rid of sort of UI Chrome as much as possible, and they thought, we'll just make it float above the content of a web page. But the problem is, web pages, they were not built for that. And all kinds of websites and web apps will look broken because of this right now.
0: I guess the question is, right, when I'm using the keyboard, do I need any of the functions that are in the bar?
1: Like, why does it even need? Why do I even need to see it? I don't know. But it gets even worse because what this bar does, and try your best to visualize this, and it's kind of ironic. This bar, in its current design right now, it makes Google AMP websites look even nicer and better. And, it conf- and, it's, and if it stays like this, it's going to confuse a lot of people because. With this design, a Google AMP web page will look like an old regular Safari page. Because you're going to see at the top the Google AMP address bar. And what's even more ironic about that, it's that the Google AMP address bar has a share button. And when you tap the share button, it, it brings up the actual real share sheet. So, In a way, in a sort of a twisted, ironic way, with this design, Apple is doing Google a favor. Because Google AMP pages, they do look much nicer. Because they don't have the double address (laughs) bar at the top. (laughs) And they have a share button that works better than the Safari Mm -hmm. share sheet. (laughs) So in a way, if you're a Google AMP fan, you got to hope that this design sticks around. Because it makes your Google AMP pages even nicer. Um, This floating bar it loses a bunch of buttons, right? Because there's no longer an address bar at the top and a toolbar at the bottom, you don't have the navigation arrows anymore. So if you want to navigate back and forth uh, on a website, you know, back and forward, um, you cannot do it anymore with buttons. You need to do that with swipe gestures. But those swipe gestures, they don't work on all websites. They don't work on all web apps, right? Sometimes swiping for me in some, Websites, websites just doesn't work, and so those buttons are gone. Um, similarly, um, other buttons were removed: uh, the reload button, um, the ability to open reader settings and like zo- uh, display settings for the current page. All of those buttons are now tucked away in a menu, in the same weird uh, pseudo uh, share sheet menu that you mentioned before. Um, bookmarks and reading list on iPhone. You know what's the only way to open bookmarks and reading list now, Mike? Is it under the bar? (laughs) No. The only way to open those bookmarks is to open a new tab or to click on the address bar and see the start page. So if you want to see your bookmarks on iPhone, the bookmarks icon only lives at the top of the address bar. So... Once again, to repeat this, you're tapping a floating bar at the bottom. It shoots all the way up to the top and the bookmarks icon is there. So the only way for you to open your bookmarks, like it used to be pretty simple. There's a bookmarks icon at the bottom in iOS 14 and you tap it and you navigate to your bookmarks. Now you need to go to the start page either by opening a new tab or tapping the address bar and you need to reach a button All the way to the top, underneath the clock, if you want to open your bookmarks. Um, What else? I mean, the start page is really nice. The start page is one of those nice uh, new things in the new Safari. Um, Private mode, right? Lots of people want to use private mode. Um, Used to be that there was a button in the tabs view that said private, and that opened private mode. Um, Now, the only way to open private mode on iPhone is to go to the tab view, which is nice. It's a grid view. This change I do like. Yes. Uh, so you tap on the tabs button. You're taken to the grid view, but there's no longer a private button there. You need to uh, tap on the text label that says uh, two tabs or three tabs, and that opens a menu that's a, uh, that has a bunch of options, including private. So it takes you one extra tap to activate private mode. It's a bunch of little things like that where it seems to me like they're sacrificing a lot of usability in the name of this f- floating bar at the bottom. And you have to wonder: is that really worth it? Like all these things you're losing just to put that bar at the bottom. Why does the bar need to float?
0: <laughs> I don't think I've. Un- I don't think I understand. Why the bar needs to float? Like, why can't the bar just be fixed and? Why
1: can't you have a toolbar at the top and a toolbar at the bottom? Like, you're what? Just to gain what exactly? Twenty pixels? I mean, is that really necessary? It's also counterintuitive to the fact that nobody's purchasing an iPhone 12 Mini anyway. So, like, (laughs) those small phones where you could make the case for, oh, we need to display extra content on web pages. You ain't selling those phones. Apple. It's a little no, like but it, I mean, because
0: well, the, the thinking, I guess, which is, I do like, right? Which is, move it all to the bottom because as phones get sure. bigger, it's easier to have that at the bottom, right? But there are, I don't know, I don't know why it needs to move, and I don't know why they have to hide as many buttons as they have hidden. Like, there's some stuff yeah. that I kind of understand. Like, it, maybe you won't be happy about this. Maybe other people who won't be happy about this. I don't think many people really use bookmarks like i don't think that that is a well-used feature you know by yeah. like the general user like and so maybe maybe like an extra tap to get to bookmarks i don't think is the worst thing in the world but the reload button the share button like that's the, the a bridge too far. yeah but, like but the navigation like all of that feels like it's too much for me i think
1: yeah, and I really don't know why that thing needs to float and 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 sort of a um cause issues with web pages. Yeah, the it's,
0: moving is silly to me. That 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 really does feel silly for Yeah, don't, I don't get that.
1: There's some things I like which I want to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, the new customizable start page. I think it's really nice. I installed the um a gradient wallpaper. As the background image for the start page, I like that you can reorder the sections of the start page. So I immediately turned off shared with you, which is the new, you know, gimmicky feature this year. Uh, I just left enabled favorites, reading list, and Siri suggestions because sometimes Siri does suggest um, does know what I want to visit. Uh, so I like that you can customize the start page and install a custom background image. That's cool. Extensions are going to be great, I think. Uh, Web extensions coming to iPhone and iPad are going to be so nice for password managers, for note-taking apps, for, uh, you know, uh, task managers, right? All things... And maybe this is why Apple thought they could hide um, share extensions because they feel like most of that functionality will be replaced by web extensions. I could see that argument, but I still think it's weird that, that... they're hiding the contacts I mean, that's right a bold, from the share sheet. That's like a real bold prediction. It's a prediction. bold move. <laughs> <laughs> right? I can also tell you that w- with the Max Stories uh, Special Projects team, mm-hmm. with Finn, uh, the one true son, we Sun. have been working on our own Safari web extension. Um, there's a screenshot for you in the show notes
0: uh, okay. that
1: you can check out. We've been working on our ho- on our own highlighter app uh, to help me uh, highlight things on web pages. And export those highlights to Markdown. And can, you can I share see it's this nice. with the passion? You can, ones. you okay. can. Um, you can see how uh, extensions. The you know you can see the extension icon in the address bar, and they can open a pop up on iPad, which becomes a sheet on iPhone. It's very nice, and I really think um, extensions are gonna be you know one of the things to check out on the App Store this year. So that I'm really happy about. Um, what else do I like? <laughs> uh, extensions. Um the custom start page. And uh basically nothing else, I think. All right. So Do you think they're
0: gonna change any of it?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, um I think they are listening. Um I feel like potentially this is one of the reasons why we haven't seen a beta 2 this week i think apple is gathering lots of feedback including the mac like i haven't i haven't talked about the mac but i also think they're listening there i know that steven is not here this week but steven also <laughs> doesn't really like the new safari on the mac yeah because um, some of
0: this stuff get like does kind of get worse on the mac because it's like you really aren't lost for space there right? Like f- fundamentally like at uh, a principal level, the fact of hiding some buttons behind different like if there's one platform where you have more screen space, you can have it on the Mac and so it kind of gets I think even more egregious in some instances yeah. there.
1: Yeah. Well, what I would do personally, like I, I hope they will make tweaks. I, I think they will, they will change a few things or uh, like move things around. Um, I feel like if they absolutely want to To keep the unified top bar approach and the floating bar at the and the bar at the bottom, I don't think it should be a floating element. I think it should be a fixed element. I don't think it should uh, jump all the way to the top of the screen when you tap it. Um, They should go back to a standard like bottom toolbar that does not interfere with the contents of a web page. That's on the iPhone. I mean, Um, on the iPad they should make the tabs wider and they should ditch the animations. Like, you can keep mm-hmm. the unified design, but please avoid all those animations. When you, when you select the tab, just make the tabs bigger and wider.
0: With more than, like, six or seven tabs on the iPad, it can be hard to open them without closing them with the trackpad. Yeah. Like, the trackpad yes. wants to just select the X. It's like, no, yep. oh, I want to open the tab.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, allow people to, I mean, restore share extensions, allow people to customize the sidebar. Like, why can I customize the start page with those really nice controls, but I cannot customize the sidebar? Customizable sidebars were a feature of iPadOS 14. So the sidebar should, should be customizable as well. And lastly, I'm just I'm just going to say it, maybe it's time to offer a setting. To say, do you want to see the, uh, address bar at the bottom on iPhone or not. Mm. Maybe it should be a setting. Safari has lots of settings already. Maybe this is the kind of thing where you cannot please everyone. There's going to be a, a a group of people who are going to say, no, I absolutely want to have the floating bar at the bottom. I don't care about these other trade-offs. Let me put it at the bottom. Maybe this has to be a setting. And it's fine. I mean, it's fine. Browsers are... It's It's hard to please everyone. But it, what doesn't work for me right now is the imposing of this new design and the trade-offs that come with it to all users, right? So maybe, maybe the solution is just to offer a setting. Maybe by next week we'll know. Yeah.
0: All right, I think that does it for this episode. Before we go, let me tell you about another show here at RelayFM that you might enjoy, and that's called Rocket. Rocket covers all of the hard tech news of the week but in a really fun way, from the latest Apple news to scams of fake blood testing companies. Rocket is there, and you can be too, at relay.fm slash rocket, or search for Rocket wherever you listen to podcasts. I would like to thank uh, our sponsors for this week's episode, Indeed, ExpressVPN, and Pingdom. Um, If you would like to find us online, you go to MaxStories.net and at Fatici for Federico. Steven is at 512 and he's at ISMH. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I stream keyboard stuff every Friday, Mike.live, if you want to check that out. Federico, I have a question for you. Oh, the comeback of the question for me, okay. If you could live anywhere in the world Uh. that wasn't Rome... So I'll even let you keep Italy if you want to. But if you could move to anywhere in the world, where would you go? And don't worry about politics for the sake of this discussion.
1: Right, right. Um I feel like it would be a small town in Japan. Oh, nice. Like uh like Nagano for example. Uh mm-hmm. I saw some pictures of Nagano that looked like, you know, the 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 contrast between Modern Japan and sort of rural Japan, those small towns that look like they're straight out of a manga. They, I don't know, I I could see myself sort of spending my retirement years there. Um, or, oh. and we've been saying this with Sylvia for a few years now. Um, once in many years, if in many years we're tired of all this, you know, city life and whatever. Um I would just love to open like a small sort of like cocktail bar bar on a beach somewhere hmm. like in Hawaii or This something. is different to the dog farm. Is it a dog farm you wanted to have? The dog the the, the, the dog yes. Those okay. two things with Sylvia, we we keep mentioning over and over like either farm with all kinds of animals but especially dogs um or like a like a small bar on the beach somewhere. You know, like in, like in Southern America, for example, I was living the life there by the beach, you know, serving cocktails, surfing. I don't surf, but I like to watch people surf. So, you know, kind of like that, you know, with the palm trees, you know, drinking tequila, that sort of stuff.
0: Do you drink tequila?
1: Well, I used to, but then I had a a bad night with Mm -hmm. it
0: fair enough maybe that'll be a question for (laughs) another time uh thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of connected we'll be back as a trio next time until then say goodbye Federico. arrivederci cheerio